0: Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with How Stuff Works and iHeartRadio, and I love all things tech. I decided to deliver it that way because Tari was going to lip sync it with me otherwise. Uh, I am here to give you a classic episode of Tech Stuff. And I thought for a while that I should reenact the entire thing and do all the voices for me and for Chris, but Tari reminded me that I also want to get home today. So instead, we're just going to play this classic episode for you. It is called Tech Stuff Looks at Password Security, and it dates from September 19th, 2012. Enjoy.
1: Security has been in the news a lot lately, as of the time we're recording this in late August 2012. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, part of that is because, as we have touched on in a handful of times, since some of the big, uh, more widely publicized cases uh have been making the news that uh you know hackers have been breaking into different accounts at major corporations online stealing people's information it's unclear whether uh people's credit card numbers were stolen or uh, if we have your home address or we know the name of your dog there was a the whole story of Matt Honan getting oh, yeah. his entire
0: digital life hacked because of uh, a a vulnerability between the systems of
1: Amazon and Apple yep which clearly taken alone clearly were not obvious as problems, but when put together, posed problems because yes. they were the, the people who were doing the hacking game to the system and and put them against one another to create a bigger picture that allowed them to get the information. Well, uh, you know, people have been saying that you need secure password, please. And there are news reports about this, too. People are still using password as their password or right. obvious terms. One, two, three, four. That's the kind of thing an idiot puts on his luggage. Hey. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, those kinds of things are still in practice. And, of course, you need to use more secure passwords. But it's it's it goes deeper than that. There's more information out there now about how even using stronger passwords alone... Isn't necessarily going to keep hackers from being able to get into your account.
0: Yeah, you need so to
1: think about what you're doing. There's there's several several things that you have to consider. Uh, one of
0: those is the idea of linking accounts together, because that means that should one account become vulnerable then those other linked accounts could also be
1: vulnerable. Yeah, now that, that was the case with Matt Honan.
0: Right. So one of the many problems of his, yes. Um, yeah, because, it was one
1: of the more identifiable problem, Right,
0: because once they got access to his Google account, then they were able to reset stuff all over the place. And yep. then it turned out that all they really wanted was to access his Twitter account, which is, I guess, in a way, he's fortunate. But it's still pretty crazy uh, everything that they managed to do in order to do that. And they caused quite a bit of damage along the way. Yes. Uh to, to Matt Honan anyway. Uh not to mention to the 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 uh, public perception of security um on the back end. So that's one thing is linking lots of accounts together holds a very specific danger. I mean for one thing. Uh, like Facebook Connect or really any open ID approach, right? Yeah. If that system is not secure, you have a single point that you can target that will give you access to lots of stuff.
1: Now, now that's so sad because for us, the consumer, that's so helpful. Yeah. Having one account that you can log into and from there, you can authenticate with multiple other services. Right. And you don't have websites. to fill out
0: form after form after form. Uh, you know, you That's nice. You, it's, it is a very a valuable consumer. service. Now and I'm not saying that that Facebook Connect or OpenID or any of that is that they are not secure. They're no. putting they're putting lots of protections in place to try and keep user
1: information as safe as possible it's not yeah it's not so much that it's inherently wrong as that if something does happen it can cause serious
0: problems right so that's one issue another issue is the way that we create passwords as users yes Uh, for those of us who are using either uh very common words or even names um even if we think we're being clever by adding a few numbers to it that's not really that secure and uh, if a, it becomes even more insecure if we're using those uh, passwords at multiple accounts, so yes, I think uh, we we were we both read an article from Ars Technica by Dan Gooden called why passwords have never been weaker and crackers have never been stronger it's actually a, it's a fascinating read and i do recommend you check it out if you find this episode interesting or even if you don't it's a good thing to know and um uh, yeah it's it's
1: typically um Ars Technica typically gets into more technical detail yeah. than than articles on howstuffworks.com but if you're if you're really serious about it there there's a lot of in, uh, important information in there
0: and we can give you kind of the the layman approach to what is going on here. But part of that is that I remember reading, and it may not have been in this article, I do remember reading a statistic that the average user has something like six and a half passwords. Yep. Yeah, yep.
1: Yeah, that's in there.
0: Okay. So they use six and a half passwords. You know, of course, this is an average. We're not saying someone out there is just putting, Oh, you know what? I was going to type in my whole password, which is typically password. <laughs> but I'm just going to type in pass for this one. No, that's not what it means. Sword. It's the average. So, but that means that, you know, you think, The average person has around 25 accounts across the web, Mm -hmm. but they're using on average six and a half passwords. So each password is being used around three times on average. I mean, that's again an average. You might have just one password that's used 20 times and the other Mm
1: -hmm. three use the other five. Yeah. But I don't want to use the same password on Google and Yahoo, so yeah. I'll use one for one and the other one for the other. And, and then I'll use the Google one again for Facebook. Pinterest yeah, you know, or whatever. Yeah, the Yahoo because, one for Facebook. Because those
0: yeah. Yeah. are disconnected enough where it's not going to, yeah. no,
1: I, that's still a problem. Unless you think that I am a super genius because I can say this. No, I, I reuse passwords from time to time, too. I'm guilty of it just as much as any I was, anybody else in the planet.
0: I was awful for a long time. I, I, mean, I three had three
1: passwords among yeah, many my accounts.
0: Yeah, were, that was pretty much mine, too. I had about three passwords that I used for almost everything. That is no longer the case, people. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Well, I told but, you
1: I didn't mean to erase all those accounts.
0: Anyway, so that's that's another user behavior, and we'll yeah. get more into that in a minute. But then the, a third piece is how safe are those passwords Within the databases of the companies that hold those passwords. Yeah. So, if you are a cracker, you know a hacker who is specifically trying to crack into security systems. Yeah. And you have identified a potential target to try and get at their password database. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, if it's if it's one where the user base of that service or company also typically has accounts at other places you've managed to not just get the passwords for that one account, but knowing that people tend to reuse their passwords, you might actually have access to multiple uh, services. Mm -hmm. Now, there are ways that companies can protect against this, not just by building a good security system that's hard to crack, but also by uh, encrypting those passwords in the database Mm -hmm. so that if you get that database, yes, you've got a whole bunch of data, but it does not translate directly to the passwords because it's been put through a hashing algorithm.
1: Yeah, and there are several... Sort of standard hashing algorithms. So basically, it's a it's a little like uh, email encryption too. Yeah. So you have let's just pick pass the four letter word pass. Um, you put it through the hashing algorithm, and on the other side of that, the letters and numbers that make up the en- encrypted information look nothing like that.
0: And it might be that your four letter password has just become a thirty two letter encrypted string of characters.
1: Yeah, so somebody seeing that written down, say, on a piece of paper, is not going to have any idea what that is. They're not really going to have any way to to decipher it. And theoretically, it's pretty well uh, well protected. Right. Theoretically.
0: But here's the problem, is that not, first of all, not every company has historically encrypted all those passwords. That's true. And there have been cases where crackers have gotten access to a password database that was stored in plain text. Yes. That means that the password that you type in appears in that database as you typed it. So there's no hidden code or anything. You've got those passwords. Well, that's very valuable to a cracker for more than just the fact that they now have access to your account. What's also valuable is that they now have a list Of words that people use as passwords. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's there's a a type of attack we should talk about the brute force attack. Yeah. A brute force attack is when a cracker tries to get access to a system by filling out the essentially filling out the password field multiple times until they get a positive result. Yeah. And. one way of doing a brute force attack, a very common way, is to do what's called a dictionary attack, where you take you create a, a, a virtual dictionary of words that you use as the basis for passwords, knowing that a lot of people will pick a common dictionary word as the basis of their password. Yeah. Aardvark, antelope,
1: anteater—you know yeah. and it just yeah, goes through, all the way through. I just picked animals for some reason. Right. But uh, something else that they'll do as part of this dictionary attack: they'll start. Adding or uh, changing symbols. So let's say your your password is aardvark, but you're being clever and, and changing the a's to into, symbols to add symbols. And uh, you know, let's say you pick a, a word with uh, with e's in it, and you change them to threes. Yeah. they try those too. Yeah, because those are very common approaches.
0: I mean, yes. you know, keeping in mind that most of us are using passwords that are easy for us to remember. Yes, and the more random-ish or seemingly random these passwords get, the harder it is for us to recall them. So knowing that's a weakness, the cracker can say, all right, well, let's go with all these words and let's go with the various variations we would expect people to use with these words. And even if you've done stuff like just added a couple of numbers at the end, that's not always a tough thing either. They can start going through all of these different variations Adding various numbers at the end. If they know how many characters your password is, that already has given them a, a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason why this is possible is because we've got processors out there that can do these these calculations in parallel. You know, if you were to do them all one after the other, it may take you centuries to get through a, all the possibilities of a particular password, depending on how many characters there are within that password. Hey, guys, it's Jonathan from 2019. I just hacked into this classic episode because the password protection was laughable. It was just palette123. So uh, I'm going to mess around with some stuff, but let's take a quick break while I do that.
1: In Hollywood, Hollywood computers can uh, do a, execute a brute force attack in about 12 seconds. Yeah. Well, sometimes that can happen here, too, but that's generally and, not the way it works. Well, that's, that's one of the interesting things about this article is you learn from reading that uh, an attack like this doesn't take very long at all. No. That at parallel a processing helps at, at, you yeah, know,
0: at most, uh, assuming that you're not following really, really strong password right, protocols. Right, um, right. <clears throat> yeah, it turns out that it's like... Uh, because of this parallel processing, you've got a processor that's working on multiple uh, uh, approaches to this login attempt. So we can go through all these different variations, even when there are billions and billions, as Carl Sagan would say, <laughs> of variations of passwords. The processor can go through so many so quickly. You know, each each thread in that parallel processing is moving at an incredible rate, and you've got multiple threads all going Uh there are crackers who use graphics processing
1: units GPUs to do this they
0: because they GPUs are designed to
1: be parallel processors yeah even even though they're designed primarily to handle graphics instructions and display them on your your uh, monitor GPUs can be uh Pressed into service, let's say, by a, a program, by a software that that can specifically um, send instructions to it. So, what people do, um, there are open source programs that uh, you can use to uh, assign uh, password cracking to your GPU. Um, sad to say, and and one of the uh, the interesting stories that, or one of the interesting bits that I read from this article too, was uh, that people have grown increasingly intelligent about the way they save cracked passwords. So they're saving up dictionary attack type information. Right. And so if you use, you know, password one as your password on one site um, and they want to hack into your account at the house of online grapefruit, they might try They, and they've got your information. They could try it there too to see if you've used your password on more than one site. So that makes it increasingly dangerous. For you to use the same password in multiple locations, because there is a growing database of password information that uh, that people are saving. Yeah,
0: and that database just throwing
1: away once an attack is completed.
0: That database also means that they can look at things like frequencies, like how frequently are people using this specific word or variations of this word as a password. And the more people who use it, the more you're like, all right, well, let's bump this up the list. It's more of a likely candidate for a password. So. You know, we like to think that the passwords we choose are unique, but that's if we're basing it off a name or a word, that's not the case. There are lots of people out there using lots of passwords, and there's a good chance that someone out there is using the same, quote-unquote, unique password you are. Just remember, you're unique just like everybody, everybody else. else. You know, when everybody is special, no one is. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, the So, yeah, the... uh The, the database can tell the cracker, all right, well, not only am I using a dictionary attack, but I'm using a, a curated dictionary attack in a way. Mm -hmm. Because these are the known passwords that are floating out there in the world. And these are the ones that are really popular that lots of people use. So we'll go through all the variations of these first. And you just, you tweak your cracking program to do that so that you can get the, the the largest number of results in the least amount of time. And another thing you can do is once you've figured out these passwords that are very popular, that helps you determine other things. Like there are only so many hashing algorithms that are really popular out there in the world of computer security. Yeah. Right? So if you know which hashing algorithm the, the a particular company is using and you are able to get, let's say you get access to their encrypted password database. So now you've got a list of passwords that are encrypted, so you cannot just look at them and know what the passwords are. If you are able to determine which security protocol they're using, and you have this massive database of um of uh of of passwords that are really popular. You can run those passwords through the same encryption algorithm to look at the hashes that come out and then start matching them up with the stuff that was in the database. So you're still cracking the passwords. You're just going about it in a different way as far as this uh, brute force attack is is concerned. It's still a brute force attack. It's just doing it in a kind of an odd roundabout way. Because you've got the you've got the hash of the password. You've got the security protocol that's being used. Now you're trying to guess the original word that created that hashed password. Mm -hmm. Once you're able to do that, that account is no longer secure. And if that – again, if you're using that same password elsewhere, those accounts aren't secure. Um, So you might be asking yourself, hey, if there are crackers out there who have these really advanced tools that can either figure out a password or – You know, kind of work down a list so that the, the passwords I use are vulnerable. How do I, how do I protect myself? Uh, And there are a few things you can do. One is use a unique password for every service that you log into, uh, which is incredibly difficult if you're doing it on your own, which is why I would suggest getting a password manager program. Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of them out there.
1: There are some that are free. There are some that you pay for. Um, There are some that are in the cloud. There are some that are based on your system. Yeah. Uh, uh, You use a password manager, right? Yes, I do. I do as well. Um,
0: And I'll go ahead and say which one I use. I use Dashlane, Mm -hmm. uh, which uh, I tried out for the first time this year, and I I like it well enough. Um, It saves passwords, and it, if you want, it will generate a password for you, so mm-hmm. you don't have to just come up with a string of things. It'll, it'll do it for you and save it to your account. You create a master password that is a strong password, meaning that there are upper and lowercase letters. There's also numbers in there, uh, and all you have to do is remember that one, which that sounds tricky, but I'll give you a hint on how to do something like that if you want to try it yourself. You create a master password, uh, then when you log into your Dashlane account, in my case, uh, you then have access to all the other passwords that that Dashlane generates. So I actually went in to all my accounts and used the Dashlane password generator program, and it creates a 10-character long strong password that's unique. So none of my accounts use the same ones anymore. They're all 10 characters long. They are a mix of various characters, and uh, when you get to about nine characters, and if it's a truly, you know, or at least a seemingly random series of characters and numbers, uh, the difficulty of cracking that password escalates dramatically. So it might go from a matter of days to weeks or months, and the harder you make it to crack, the more likely your information will be safe. Mm -hmm. So, or that it'll just be difficult for anyone to guess. Um, So that's the purpose of creating these strong passwords. And the purpose for the password manager is because strong passwords are hard to remember. Mm -hmm. Um, So all I have to do is remember my one master password. Here's the hint I was going to make. So if you want to make a strong password, like a master strong password, uh, it's best that you come up with a phrase that you will not... Forget, And it it's great if the phrase also has a proper noun somewhere after the first word so that you have some capitals in there as well. And you need a number, like a four-digit number is best. Uh, so, for example, you might say, Dad's first car was a 1956 Volkswagen Bug. Mm-hmm. Alright, so then your password, you take the first letter off of each of those words and the number and you put them together and that becomes your password. So the first letter would be uppercase D for dads. Then first car, so it's uppercase D, lowercase F, lowercase C, lowercase W, lowercase A, then you have the 1956, and then uppercase V, uppercase B for Volkswagen bug. That could be your master password, mm-hmm. and when you look at it as just a string of letters and numbers, it looks meaningless. You know, there's no there's no phrase that's evident right there immediately, unless you happen to have already known it. So don't tell people your oh I got to change my password. Yeah, <laughs> but no, don't tell people what your phrase is, but make it a phrase that is easy to remember. And, uh, and that can be your master password and don't use it again. Just use it for your master password and then use the password generator or a password generator if you don't want to trust one thing with it. But it's, it's easier to use a password manager's onboard password generator because it can save it directly to your, uh, account. Otherwise you're going to have to transfer that, that password to whatever your manager is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then that way, you've got a vault of passwords that are encrypted, that are ten char- hopefully at least 10 characters, 9 or 10 characters at the very least, and are uh, strong. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. It's funny. It's it's rather than coming up with a mnemonic device to remember your password, you start with the mnemonic device and, and create, a create a password from it.
0: from it. Yeah, I think that that's way easier because that is, I've used a password generator before that... Creates a a random string of characters and then tells you it's easy to remember this. Just remember echo, bravo, seven, (laughs) delta, delta, bravo. You know, I'm like, this is that. Where are you from where that is easy? Mm -hmm. How is how is remembering a random selection of echoes and bravos and et cetera and numbers easier than say just remembering e, e, blah, blah, you know, like. That's not easier to me, but this other method where you create a mnemonic device first and then convert that into a strong password makes way more sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, again, because, you know, the output of it is a seemingly random string of letters and numbers, uh, it's not something that's easy for a computer to guess. Yeah. Hi guys. It's. Jonathan from 2019. Chris called me up and he yelled at me, so I've updated the password. And uh, while I'm doing that, we're just uh, we're gonna take another quick break.
1: Well, um, I use one uh, password by AgileBits, um, which is a uh, you can get as a desktop application for Windows or Mac. Um, also works on iOS and Android. Um, and, uh, you know, it has a browser plugin too on the desktop so that you, uh, say you visit a, a site where you have a, um an account, maybe a shopping site, maybe a banking site, or something like that, for example, uh-huh. so you have your login and password. You have to log in it has a little button, and you press the button, and it you know says, "What is your overall password? so you use right. your master password in yep. there, and then as soon as you uh, uh, log in you 'll be given an opportunity to log in to the site and it submits the information for you
0: yeah, this is important if you 're using a uh, someone else 's computer and you are using a browser to navigate to something. And you know, again, if you've created these these strong passwords, remembering each one is going to be really hard. And if yeah. you, and, you know, it's not like you're going to go and install your, <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to install the desktop program on someone else's computer. I mean, that's not your job; it's their computer. Uh, especially, like, let's say that you're at a library or something, and you want to log in and check email, but you've used one of these strong password vaults. Using something that has a web browser uh, interface in it so that you can log into the service and access those passwords and then log out and those passwords are no longer there. That's important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, it does give you, uh, one password also gives you the opportunity to, when you're creating a password, um, to make it as long or as short as you need to really. So, or include symbols or not to include symbols. So, uh, one of the important tips that, um, this article that Jonathan and I read points out is that uh, eight-digit or eight-character uh, passwords are easier to crack than longer ones. So yeah. if you're you're presented with a um, a website, you're you're filling out the information for the account, it says, oh well, your password needs to be six characters or longer. Don't pick a six-character password. Yeah, it is the is the simple thing for that. Whether it's your own or one that a uh, one of many many. Very capable password generators. Um, yeah, and as, as Jonathan said, I mean, these are the two that we picked, but there are lots of them out oh, there. Oh yeah, they're are great. There are a lot of them, and they all
0: you know, like you can read reviews of them, and uh, and you know these are companies that their reputation is completely built upon how reliable they are, yes. and that and how upfront and transparent they are in the sense of they're not using data themselves to get access to stuff. In fact, right. most of these companies. Have the information encrypted so that they don't have any idea what passwords you are using, right? Because it's just like we were talking about with the the uh, password databases, where all they are are encrypted passwords. Same sort of thing. They they have no way of knowing what you chose uh, as your various passwords. They just uh, provide the the hard the, well the software that that lets you do it.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you can if you can choose a password manager that allow you to create longer passwords. And to save them automatically in the, in your database, that's a good thing, especially if your database is encrypted wherever it is, whether it's on the cloud or on your, your hard drive or your phone. Um, you know, those, th- that's important to know. Yeah. Um, also, what, one of the, the interesting things, and this is one of those things that companies do that make your security less, uh, more open, let's say, to to being cracked, is uh, people who, uh, for their accounts, have their email address mm-hmm. um, as their username because these are this is sort of the equivalent of of linking accounts. So uh, you know anybody, let's say somebody hacks into uh, an account like they did with that uh, large uh, shopping provider, the one that had all the um, uh, loyalty programs or cards. Uh, if they if they say well, all they got was people 's uh, email addresses well that 's an important part of the the equation so maybe they 'll start using that email address that they got from those loyalty cards in accounts with uh, Amazon and Facebook and Google and all these other places, they may start figuring out where your accounts are if they can figure out you know using that username and they identify one of the passwords then the dominoes start to fall. So mm-hmm. uh, using multiple uh, usernames and sp- especially not your email address, if you can uh, arrange that, that's very helpful as well. Um, you wouldn't necessarily think it right off the shelf, but when you think that these these uh, people are putting together databases of this information, it makes it clear that varying as much information as possible is a good idea. Right. Uh, also changing your passwords regularly. Let's say you do have a banking site. Um, you have uh, a 15-character password. It's got four different symbols in it: upper and lowercase letters and numbers. That's pretty secure. You should probably change it every few months, yeah. just to be on the safe side. This is your financial information we're talking about. It's a good idea to swap it out. And
0: you know, another nice thing is a lot of those password managers will even have a, a you know you can set. A reminder on many of them mm-hmm. that, you know, they'll, they'll keep a track of when you established a, p- a particular password and let you know when it's time you should, uh, change it up. And again, if you're using one of these that has a password generator as part of it, then mm-hmm. all it takes is logging in and, uh, often it'll go ahead and fill out the, the forms that you need already, and then you just press a little button to generate a new password. It'll save the new password to your account. So, I mean, it's something that takes five seconds once you've set it up the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, five seconds of effort to keep crackers at bay is not a bad idea. Uh, and keep in mind also that as GPUs become more sophisticated, um, as software gets more sophisticated, as as these algorithms get more sophisticated it's going to get harder and harder to protect the password. You know, you can play the game of adding more characters, which does, uh, increase the difficulty significantly to get the, uh, a positive hit. So, uh, you know, we, we can stay ahead just by adding longer and longer passwords as we go along. But, uh, you know, that's a game that ultimately we're going to have to sit there and say, we need to find a new way to protect stuff because, that's the problem. Is that, you know, you're 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 just playing a game of cat and mouse at that point, point. Yeah. and uh, you know we talked about quantum computers a few times. One of the potential things a quantum computer could be very good at is cracking codes, mm-hmm. because a quantum computer is is uh, also really well equipped for parallel processing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that's. Something else to think about is that now, granted, right now, quantum computers are still largely theoretical. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few working examples, but they're notoriously difficult to design and even more difficult to maintain. Because you know, the slightest alteration and they, uh, the the whole
1: coherence problem becomes apparent. Yeah, either it is or it isn't, or maybe or somewhere maybe between both. Yeah and uh I also read another article on on Ars Technica uh, by the same author actually where they have discovered that in versions of Windows 7 and 8 um it's possible to get hold of people's security questions. Uh now uh, I, I that sounds I I think it's easy to come off with a negative that seems like it's a negative against Microsoft and I guess in a way it is but it assumes first that The person has the person's computer you would actually have to have their computer to get it and you'd also have to know how to retrieve that information but that goes back to our discussion of matt honan too because if uh you know a lot of these uh security words that you set up to talk to people on the phone uh about your accounts or you set them up online you know what's the name of your first pet you know and you put in your first dog's name and then you use that in multiple places. Then one that was what enabled them to get hold of that information. If this person got hold of your computer, was able to pull that out from the uh, login help, they could use that on your accounts too. So it might be a little good to use some reverse social engineering. And when someone asks you what who what your uh, the name of your first dog was or first pet was, you put your favorite uh, form of salad dressing in there instead, right? Uh, something something unusual that they wouldn't be able to pick, so that which, by it's the way, not obvious is
0: a blast when you have to call, oh because yeah, because you've forgotten your password stuff and you call in and then they're like, so, what's your favorite pet's name? Paul Newman's Thousand Island dressing? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, that's right. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you that this is. Uh, and anybody who's frustrated by this conversation will tell you that using these super secure passwords and uh, obviously obfuscatory uh, material here is a pain in the neck. Yeah. Because, you know, if you don't happen to have your password manager with you and you're on a friend's computer logging in to check your mail and it's got some kind of 32 character weird password and you don't remember it and you're going, man, I know no one's ever going to crack into this computer. It's a friend's computer. I'm fairly safe. Well, yeah, you probably are fairly safe, but it's probably worth the frustration than more so than it will be having to put out all the fires of all the account information that you could be giving up otherwise. And
0: it's not so much worrying about your friend's computer as it is worrying about that database that's on the other end of this password system. Yes. Because uh, the more passwords a company Accumulates as more and more people use its service, the more attractive it is as a target to crackers. Yes. And they're doing, you know, that's that's what they do. They look at systems and try and find ways of of penetrating it. So it's, you know, they're not they're not worried about getting your your buddy Bill's computer. They're no. looking at, you know, like Mega Core that has all those passwords in it. That's what they want. So you know, using that easy password while it's convenient is also uh, ultimately a dangerous thing yeah um, and you know i I gotta I gotta admit like for the very long time I had pretty poor password yeah. protection I mean I, I just too. I was just I did not I was not very good about it at all, even as we were Telling people change your passwords yeah. still wasn't doing as as good a job as I should have. I bet you don't uh, back up
1: your hard drive regularly. Either. Oh
0: yes, I do. Okay, I do. Good. I got well the Mac hard drive. <laughs> my my PC hard drive I do not back up as regularly as I should, which really I need to start doing that. But the um, I, it's but, a pain in the neck. But but cloud services have made that really a lot better too. True. Now you know the cloud of course has its own set of problems which we've talked about in previous podcasts but everything technological has its own set of problems you just have to decide which ones are the most acceptable set of problems for you so uh but i have i have switched i mean i am now i am wholeheartedly in this let's protect our passwords especially after seeing what happened to honan yeah i mean you and i are in the public eye we're not celebrities by any stretch of the imagination but it's not that far um it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that someone at some point could say, you know what would be funny.
1: Well and, and it just really takes somebody getting a hold of your name. Yeah. Uh, that's why they tell people to shred what, when you have a junk mail or something with your name on it to shred that information yeah. because I've got one of those too. You never know when somebody's gonna go and you know say Jonathan Strickland. I bet there's a bunch of people named that. Well, Actually there are.
0: One so of, one of them got booked in North Atlanta for something a couple of weeks ago, but it wasn't me.
1: I won't ask how you know that. I'm on the lam. So <laughs> it's because I've got a Google alert <laughs> set to my name.
0: <laughs> all right, that wraps up another classic episode. I think we've all learned a valuable lesson. I know I have. I know I learned that Chris remembers my phone number, for example. Well, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, reach out to me. The address is techstuff@howstuffworks.com, or pop on over to our website. That's techstuffpodcast.com. You'll find links to our presence on social media. You'll find an archive of all of our past episodes. You'll find a link to our online store where you can buy Tech Stuff merch. Get some Tech Stuff swag. Hand it out like it's Christmas please because every purchase you make goes to help the show and we greatly appreciate it and i will talk to you again really soon tech stuff is a production of iheart radio's how stuff works for more podcasts from iheart radio visit the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows